Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Regenerative by Design podcast, where we will be getting to the root of health, climate, economics, and food. I am your host, Joni Kinwell-Moore. I'm an RN, an ethnobotanist, and the founder of Snacktivist Foods. Join me on this journey as we explore the ideas, stories, and personalities behind the regenerative food system movement. Food is the connection between people and planet. In a world where pandemics, climate change, and war have made us feel so disconnected and vulnerable, regenerative agriculture has become a powerful force for positive transformation and hope. Here, regenerative thought leaders share how agriculture and food design can create a more resilient system. Hi, you guys. I'm Joni with Snacktivist Foods. Um, I'm sure many of you may be actually unfamiliar with Snacktivist Foods as we come from our, our state's panhandle up north. And I'm just really grateful to Jay and everybody for bringing me down here to Boise for the event today. And it's, it's a big honor, um, especially to start a, a conversation when we're going to have people like Andy Scoggins giving a talk, um, Colin and Matt talking about my favorite food group, which is coffee. And other than grains, I get really excited about coffee. And um, yeah, so this, this brings me to my story of Snacktivist Foods. Um, so if you did read a little bit of our description, I'm sure the first thing that popped out to you was gluten-free. Yes, gluten-free. So, I mean, it's a topic we can thank for many great memes funny jokes on the internet, um, eye rolls and terrible pizzas across America. But let's get real. No one ever associates gluten-free with a good time. It's just one of those things, even though it is so important. So we, we like to laugh about that. We want to, we want to make this a, a different transition into our cultural vernacular of food. So how many of you in the audience actually lean towards gluten-free or have a family member that needs to be gluten-free, has food allergies, Vegans, anyone with grandkids in college, you have vegan grandkids probably. Um, <laughs> and um, you can see just by the number of hands in the audience that th this food inclusivity is actually a huge issue in America right now, affecting millions of people. In fact, there was a recent article that was published in the Journal of American Medical Association that estimated that 10% of the adult population has some sort of food allergy or sensitivity. That's over 26 million Americans. That's a huge portion of our population. So it's actually getting to, getting to the point where we can consider it an, epi an epidemic. So we'll go to the next screen. <clears throat> so my family is one of these 20 million families that live in a home with food allergies. And this is the motivation that led us to create Snacktivist Foods. I grew up on a farm. We had tons of chickens. Go figure, I'm allergic to eggs. Um, it's one of those funny things. My son, as it turns out, after hours and hours at pediatric gastroenterology appointments, cannot tolerate wheat. And then I had a child, another child, my oldest, um, my daughter, who was allergic to milk. So as you can imagine, no one wanted to invite us over for dinner. We had become that family. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it, it was difficult for us to find foods that our whole family could enjoy, but we're still really quality and flavor forward. And Thousands of hours of iteration in the kitchen led us to develop some special trade secrets that made not only a flavorful product, but a product that had amazing texture and led us to become really interested in the space of sustainable ancient grains. Um, we now produce a line of baking mixes and finished product cookies and um, that are made from ancient grains like millet, teff, and sorghum. Um, to, oh, excuse me. 
And our mantra as snacktivists is that it's not what we leave out of our food that makes it special, it's what we put in it. So we're always very focused on quality and sustainability. Um, <clears throat> let's see, I'm still on this slide. So now the thing where things get excited, when I talk about snacktivists, I am passionate about food allergy inclusivity, but I get really passionate about the ingredients in our supply chain and the sustainability that plays into that. because. I am not just, not, nothing, nothing against moms with kids with touchy tummies, but I'm also a scientist with a degree in botany and a background in pharmaceutical chemistry. I'm an ICU nurse with a background in cardiovascular ICU and diabetic education. I'm a food system activist, as Jay said, and I'm an innovator. And I tend to really lean into the innovation side, especially when it comes to larger problems that go outside of our kitchen and start to affect our entire nation. So these scientific roots combined with a passion for food systems has the power to transform our company from moms who are making cookies to a global uh, food industry leader. Uh, next slide. So I do admit it, I'm a foodie. I, I, love, I love the whole experience um, surrounding food preparation, food cultivation, and enjoying food with loved ones around the table. Um, it's actually kind of sacred to me. I come from a farming family and I grew up farming, so I think that's part of it. Um, but from an academic perspective, I'm not only thrilled by the nutrition, but I'm very thrilled about the history behind our food. And anyone who knows me knows I have a real history nerd side. So I'm just gonna step aside for a second to talk a little bit about food history. So grains were domesticated roughly 20 to 30,000 years ago in what's called the Fertile Crescent. And that's where we first saw the development of wheats, barleys, pulses, flax, and it really changed humans fundamentally forever. Um, we became a civilized agricultural group of people. Um, in other parts of the world, they were domesticating millets, sorghums, tefts, quinoas, amaranths, buckwheats, all kinds of amazing ancient super grains that we don't actually eat very often anymore. But the world has changed dramatically since the days of the earliest farmers. Rapid population growth, changes in climate, Global migrations of people and cuisine have really had huge impacts on our food systems. And this leads us to the modern era. So the biggest historical event that changed our American eating habits happened about 70 years ago during World War II. So during World War II, we had the vast majority of our young men had to leave and go fight the war. This left us very scarce, not only on food, but on um, people to work the farms. Um, this had a massive impact on our food systems because Following the war, we had this amazing ingenuity event where we developed mechanizations that would help us produce food more efficiently. And young people started leaving Americans, America's farms. Women entered the workforce, and time and knowledge of cooking and baking became very scarce. These economic and cultural changes dramatically impacted our dietary habits and still do today. Between the decades of 1950 and 2010, the per capita intake of wheat dramatically increased it's estimated that it's, over, it's actually over doubled since 1950. So this leads me back to Snacktivist. Um, most of these wheat-based foods that we eat now today are so highly refined, they could almost be considered a wheat extract. So to me, as a scientist and as a nurse, it's no wonder that so many people are suddenly having digestive problems related to wheat. And this often leads into other systemic allergies and illnesses. Bottom line is, modern food is feeding us. There's a lot of miracles here, but modern food is also killing us. And it's killing our farming economy too. Monocrop farming, chemical input dependency, expensive proprietary seeds, and pressure 
from a global commodities market has dealt a crushing blow to America's farmers, who are now experiencing historically high bankruptcy and suicide rates. Um, intense weather patterns haven't helped at all either. Farmers are aging out, and there's just no one to take over our families' farms. In the Midwest, this is especially true. I consider this to be a national security issue that requires an in-depth look at the grain industry and our entire food system. The same ingredients that are contributing to our trillion-dollar healthcare implosion are also the same crops that are helping bankrupt our farmers. We can continue to learn lessons from the civilization of the past, from civilizations of the past, when it comes to food systems. And this goes far beyond our just nutritious, just nutrition and diet. We need to stop and think about how food and food cultivation affects our environment, our economy, and our geopolitics. <clears throat> My husband is a trauma RN, and he's a Marine Corps veteran. He's also a scholar of history, so he's an expert on the rise and falls of civilizations. Foreign invasions, civil wars, disease. These have always been the top three reasons why major empires would crumble, right? But a closer look reveals, here's my inner scientist and botany nerd, a closer look reveals that dwindling topsoil, food insecurity, and malnutrition usually lays the foundation for the rest of these factors to manifest. So when I look around, I say, here we are in 2020, we're facing a lot of these same predicaments as many empires did before us. To fix these complex issues, we're going to have to disrupt our current food and agricultural sector in a good way. Leveraging technology will be a huge part of this. Next slide. So the decentralization of the grain and cereal vertical has begun, and it's in large part due to the consumer demand that's creating a bottom-up pressure on our largest grain institutions and fueling rapid growth of independent brands. Large cereal ver um, vertical dominators know this, and they're very acutely aware because it is a consumer-driven trend. Consumers are not only looking for better-for-you options, they're also looking for sustainable, organic, non-GMO, and um, inclusive foods. It started, so what really started these dietary crazes? I mean, I'm a, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, so when I was a teenager, everybody carb-loaded. It was like the non-fat days. Do you remember those? <laughs> no one ate any of that stuff. And um, then all of a sudden, the Atkins diet came around. And now we have keto, paleo, grain-free. And really, when you think about it, it's kind of a grain demonization movement. Well, you know, civilization was built on grain. Civilization was built on wheat and barley and corn and all these amazing crops that keep the, you know, the thousands of people in all these regional economies employed and also feed the entire world. So one of the things I'd like to think about when I'm talking to people is like, do we ever think about how much money our love of avocados, coconut oil, and other imported foods are putting in the hands of cartels and potential terrorist organizations overseas? Something to think about. When we look at our shifting domestic grain production, we can grow superfoods in our own backyard. Um, and then we keep that money in our local economy. Can we feed a global population without grains and pulses? No, we can't. And we shouldn't for many reasons. So a food systems mindset approach is what we need for the future of our country. Next slide, please. So this shift has created a gap in the market and a need for smaller, agile, consumer-facing brands. Snacktivist Foods is focused on these opportunities, and our changing grain and cereal sector is beckoning for help from brands like us. 
We yearn to bring value to these crops that have a beneficial role in regenerative ag and soil building, as well as the potential to feed the planet sustainably into the future. I really believe that integrating ancient grains back into our widely consumed products is a first step in redefining our grain-based staples. And as they have nutritional value, as well as potential for functional food status because of antioxidant levels and other special nutritional qualities. They're also of significance when we diversify our agricultural mosaic away from monocropping and the cycles of chemical input dependency. Um, I work a lot with WSU cereal breeders and help write grants with um, a lot of our scientists up in uh, U of I. And there are a lot of people working and where their gap is is they don't have a value-added partner to take a lot of these to market. So Snacktivist definitely provides a role of bringing the science and the innovation that's happening in our grain and cereal sector to consumers. We're setting out to help disrupt this grain vertical and help reform America's grain consumption patterns. This is a beyond organic, beyond gluten-free, beyond all the free-from stipulations and fear-driven marketing. Because food is important, and we believe the core of this movement needs to be soil. So how do we shift millions of people to consume grains in a new way? This shift is, uh, more di is a more diversified commodity profile, and it has huge impacts on economics, too. This could really give America's farmers a boost, a time during unprecedented um, suffering. In fact, I just this morning had an a email plea from a group of farmers in eastern Washington that want to grow millet for us, especially now that we've been to Korea and we're looking at millet exportation, and they are desperate to diversify. They need to for profits. Millet has been outperforming corn and wheat the last few years in the commodities markets. So... You know, we as a brand, we have very humble beginnings, um, making simple baking mixes, cookies, but this is just the beginning. Next slide, please. So how does a tiny privately financed company in northern Idaho grow to become a disruptive force like this? Well, to be honest, it's extremely difficult, and the barriers to entry are formidable, especially when you're trying to get uh, attention in larger retailers, um, larger food service venues as well. The need for third-party safety audited facilities, distribution, competitive price points, they all contribute to the 85% failure rate of new brands in the CPG space. Getting audience with buyers and distributors is nearly impossible, as is raising money is very, very hard for early startups because CPG is a capital-intensive thing. So I'm always grateful to people like Zion Bank because not so many banks are willing to even work with little companies like us. So thank you, Zion Bank. <laughs> um, so, so far, we have been very deliberate in our fundraising as a brand, and we've done a small fr uh, just friends and family round and been very, very scrutinizing of our funds, and we've bootstrapped our way through it. So I'm appreciative to all the people who have lent a lot of wisdom, hard work, and input to get our company to where it is today. 2019 was a challenging year. We launched a pilot of a finished product cookie, which you all got to sample. That was just a test run, but it, it, it actually, we produced something that could go out on the shelves and had a shelf life, which is extremely difficult to do without a lot of preservatives and added things. So we were really happy to, to actually meet that milestone. We rebranded our entire company, expanded our trademarks, defended our existing trademarks, developed relationships with scalable strategic partners, Restructured our company to be cloud-based so we can accom accommodate growth with a remote team. And we laid the groundwork for growth last year. We're already seeing so much potential. I want to actually do a shout-out. I saw Kim here earlier, 
Um, Idaho Department of Ag Market Development has been super helpful. We had a chance to represent Idaho at the Fancy Food Show in San Francisco last month where we had one-on-one -on -one talks with Target, one-on-one -on -one talks with HEB, other huge retailers and food service people across the nation. And I just I really want to sincerely thank them for the, the help and support that they've given to companies like um, Snacktivist. Um, we also got to go to Korea with them just this last fall, and I was absolutely amazed at the potentials overseas. As, as uh, countries like Korea really are dependent on imports, they can't grow enough food to feed their country. So Snacktivist could be a valuable tool to getting the best of what the Northwest has to offer to overseas markets. <clears throat> we feel strongly that we will be the brand that helps to mend a lot of this interface that needs to happen in innovation in our agricultural and food sectors. We're going to do it and we're gonna take our farmers along with us. So thank you. Just one second. I've got a couple of questions for you. I bet you so, do. <laughs> so really quick, this, uh, this has been so, you won the um, uh, an award over at the Boise Startup Week two years ago. What was trail it? Trail mix. Trail mix. The first trail mix. The very first one. Yeah. So that was really cool. It was very cool. And then you just came back from a big food food uh, event. Mm -hmm. What did Target say about you? Um, Target, they were absolutely impressed and told us that we were the food brand of the future, basically. So we're working with them now. We're working with some of their product development experts and. Um, they're our lead of uh, global supply chain to develop a line that would be appropriate for Target shelves. Very, so, very good. Yeah. And, and you're on Albertson shelves? Um, we, we did a trial of our trial cookie right there. Yeah, but then we're going to switch to a new manufacturer so we don't have anything on the shelves at Albertsons. I've pitched the dry mixes to them. Well, good. But, we'll have, we'll have Andy um, <laughs> talk. Yeah, that'll be even better. I told that's you, I was a little, you know, that frustration with buyers is a real. It's, it's a challenge. They, are, they work very hard. In all fairness, so very very good. And yeah. and you, uh, any any last thoughts on funding that you're doing right now? Yeah, actually, we're going to be opening a bridge round right now because we did a very small pre-seed. We're doing a, a bridge round to get us to our our seed round, which will happen next year. So we're opening that tranche here in the next month. It's just a small pre-seed. Okay, that's beautiful. So. Yeah. So we'll keep our eyes on Snacktivist because wonderful things are going to be happening on yeah. this. Let's hear it for Joan. Thank you so Thank much. Thanks for your patience. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Regenerative by Design podcast. If you would like to learn more about the principles of regenerative food systems and agriculture, please see the show notes for links to education, a glossary, and guest information. This podcast was brought to you by Snacktivist Inc., a leader in the regenerative food industry. We create delicious foods from regenerative ingredients that are soil focused, minimize water use, and maximize carbon sequestration, all while radically impacting human nutrition. Learn more about our work at snacktivistfoods.com.